0: The following paid Joseph Prince Ministries program is brought to you by our Grace Legacy Builders. Today with Joseph Prince.
1: You used to think that God is out to get you. Now you know God loves you in your lost, guilty condition. God loved His Son, and God gave up His Son for you and I. To, for what? To save all of us. At a great cost. Amen. Once and for all, God demonstrated He's a good God. He's generous. It's out to bless you, not out to get you. Amen. The enemy was always there behind my shoulders saying, you messed up again. How can you be, you know, living up to God's expectations and standards? I
0: was always feeling condemned. I never was seeing in my life the things that the Bible actually talked about.
1: And what really set me free, or at least in the right path, is believing that, you know what, doesn't matter how many times you mess up, I'm still going to love you. And that inspiration, that power of grace really provided me the opportunity to see the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: When I heard Joseph Prince, I just began to know that this was a missing link. This was the key. I had found it. And every time I hear him, I just I just get freer and freer and freer.
1: If the gospel of grace has impacted your life, I would like to invite you to join us as a grace legacy builder. Let's advance the gospel of grace together. Visit the link on your screen to be part of living a legacy of grace today. The topic i want to share today is repentance say repentance yes. now i can preach it like this okay repent okay or i can tell you change your mind all right you used to think this way now think this way because the word repentance is so abused today that people say things like all right well so and so doesn't preach repentance well that preacher you know he doesn't preach repentance as if they are an authority on repentance and, and I just want to question their idea of repentance. What do they mean when they say repentance? All right? When they say repentance, many of them are referring to, you've got to be sin conscious. you you got to beat yourself over your sins. you got to be sin conscious. Now, nothing could be further from the truth when it comes to the gospel. The gospel says because of what Christ has done, we should have no more sin consciousness. We saw that last week, didn't we? In Hebrews 10. We saw that a believer once cleansed. And the word once cleansed in the Greek is the perfect tense. Never to be repeated act. Alright? The effects last forever. Once you are cleansed, perfect tense, you should have no more sin consciousness or conscience of sins in the old King James. Amen? And that should have is in the present active. That means you got to shake it off. you got to actively shake it off every moment. Amen? So <coughs> preaching, preaching a repentance in the area of Imparting consciousness of sins is nothing more than than dishonoring the work of Jesus. If someone paid my debt, a huge debt, all right? And I and and I hear the news, the good news that he paid my debt. Okay, he's a man of integrity. And I hear the, the news and I laugh it off and I say, I don't believe it. Though it's still paid, I have dishonored that man. Are you listening? Moreover, not only have I dishonored the man, whenever I meet my creditor, I will have, what, debt on my conscience, even though it's paid. So therefore, mankind, you know, the sinner, for example, all right, always have these bad and hard thoughts about God. Hard thoughts. Thoughts are not based on facts because God loves sinful men. God loves man in his sinful, guilty, lost condition. God sent His Son while man was still lost, while man was still sinful. Christ died when man was still cursing, blaspheming Him, putting Him on the cross. And God used the cross that wicked hands delivered Him to, alright, to be an instrument of salvation and redemption for all men. Amen. The Bible says in Second, uh, second John uh, verse 1, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. It does not say if any man repent. The moment a believer sins, Alright, straight away the advocate goes to the Father. It is not we go to the priest, it is the priest goes to the Father. Straight away and presents himself. Not to deal with our sins anymore. It's done, done, it's done, done once and for all. It's a, it's a done deal, I should say. Amen. amen. Finished once and for all. Can I have a good amen? amen. So this idea, uh, when people say you got to preach more on repentance, is actually they want you to, to hit people and beat people. But God told me to feed my sheep, not beat my sheep. Amen. And the thing is this, there is rebuke in the Word of God, there's correction in the Word of God, but it's never never depressing you. You know, it's one thing to break a child's stubborn will. It's another thing to break the child's inner man, his spirit. You don't break a child's spirit, but you must break his uh, strong will. Amen. If he's rebellious, you got to break his will. Affirm the child, but break the will. Amen. Amen. And God never, never crushes you. you. How many understand that? So what do you mean when you say repentance? What do these people mean when they say repentance? Number one, we saw that erroneous idea. They want, they want the preacher to, sh- to impart sin consciousness to the people. And that's not God's way in the gospel today. Now, I'm going to show, show you one thing. Once upon a time in the Old Testament... There are plenty of occasions to show you that you have to repent first before God blesses you. In the Old Testament, you have to repent, turn away from sin, and then God blesses you. Now listen, in the New Testament, God blesses you. And it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Now I've been using that verse all the time, but look up the verse, Romans 2 verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness? I many know God is not just good. He is plenty of good. <laughs> the riches of His goodness forbearance and long-suffering not knowing that the goodness of god leads you to repentance the word lead there is like the holy spirit leading you the goodness of god leads you where to repentance it is not repentance. listen it is not repentance leads you to goodness it is goodness that leads you to repentance a lot of believers still have this idea if i repent it will lead me to god's goodness but hey the bible says god's goodness that leads you to repentance it was the lord turning around looking at peter All right, that broke Peter's heart. That kept him in love with Jesus. There's something about the look that says, you denied me, but I still love you. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so let's look at this Old Testament repentance. When someone says, you know, Pastor Prince, I'm concerned I've not repented enough. What do you mean you have not repented enough? All depends. Are you talking about repentance of the law? Or repentance of the gospel. There is a repentance of the gospel. And I said just now, repentance, repent, repentance is from the Greek word metanoia. All right, meta is after. Noia is thought. Put them together, it means, and all theologians agree, metanoia is defined as change of mind. Change of mind. Now, along the way, some people want to add the word with sorrow. With contrition. And I'll show you later on that sometimes you repent into joy. Sometimes you repent into sorrow, yes. Now, there is a place, the Bible talks about godly sorrow, work of repentance. But godly sorrow is not repentance, but a work of repentance. You know, when you've done something wrong and you see how wonderful, you know, your wife is or whatever, okay? It breaks your heart, like what happened to Peter. That's a godly sorrow. But there's a sorrow of the world that works death. We're going to make sure no one brings us to the sorrow of the world. Amen. Now, what is repentance of the law? Look up here, Mark chapter 1. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Notice, John, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. He came preaching what? A, repent, a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, John, under the law, he preached this sermon that you need to repent before you are forgiven. Alright? And baptism there is uh, Jewish people, even if uh, you go to Israel today, you find a lot of uh, a mikveh. They call it uh, baptismal pools, which means uh, every time you come, you, you, you repent, you go into the baptismal pool. Amen? Alright? There's a baptism of repentance under the law. And John was under the law. Okay? He preached a repentance for the remission of sins. Valid. Okay? And... Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to John and they were all baptized by him in the Jordan River confessing their sins. So confessing sins is something that the Old Testament they are aware of. It is taught in the Old Testament. Are you listening? You must understand the Jewish people, All right, when you talk to them about getting saved, you got to talk about confessing your sins. It's a terminology they understand. That's why in the... Epistle of John, not John the Baptist, Epistle of John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, alright, he wrote, if we confess, and the we there is editorial we, he's referring not to believers. If you read the whole chapter 1 of 1 John, he's referring to the Gnostic Jews. You know, Peter, James, and John, they were apostles to the Jews. It's in the Bible. Peter, James, and John, they were called to the Jews. Paul was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, non-Jews. So when you read 1 Peter, you read 2 Peter, you read James, the book of James and John, don't forget, primarily they are written to the Jews. And he's telling the Jews, stop denying that you're a sinner. Confess your sins. Because Jewish people understand that terminology. So 1 John 1.9 is not a verse for the believer. It is a verse for the unbelieving believer. Uh, unbelieving Jew. Okay? Did I wake you up for a while? Okay. So, they came confessing their sins. Alright? I want to prove to you that John was under the law. Okay? Uh, Luke 16, verse 16. The law, Jesus speaking here. The law and the prophets were until John. By the way, John means God's grace. The law and the prophets were until God's grace. The law and the prophets were until John. So, who is the last prophet of the law? Talk to me, people. So, John was preaching a repentance of the law. Since that time, since that time of John, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Just now I show you John's baptism, right? In Mark 1. Now go back to Mark 1. Look at Mark 1. Jesus now came. Now, after John was put in prison, all right, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, Jesus' message is different from John. After John's ministry ended, and and, and incidentally, John was the last of all the prophets of the law, Jesus came preaching the good news. If you read this in the Greek, the gospel means the good news. Amen? Now, the kingdom of God has got to do with the Jewish people. But he came preaching the good news. We'll all be in the kingdom of God. In fact, if they had accepted Jesus back then, he would have ruled as king. Do you know that? So he came preaching, saying, repent. Now, when Jesus uses repent, now, church, the New Testament repentance, repentance of the gospel, is actually changing your mind about your self-righteousness. It is giving up all pretensions to righteousness. Okay? Write that somewhere. Repentance of the gospel is a giving up or turning away from self-righteousness. Amen. It is giving up all pretensions to righteousness. Believe on who? Jesus. Believe you cannot save yourself. All your good works, all your obedience, all your morality does not amount to a heel of beans before God. Amen. The Bible tells you the faith that saves, the faith that justifies is a faith that believes that God justifies the ungodly. It is as ungodly we come to Him, and then He justifies us, and we are no more ungodly. Alright? But you got to admit, you come with your sins. Martin Luther says, Lord Jesus, I am your sin. You are my righteousness. That's a beautiful way of saying it. I am your sin, right at the cross. You are my righteousness. Amen? But if you're trying to justify yourself, how can he be your righteousness when you are your own righteousness? So repent in the gospel is give up all pretensions to righteousness and belief. Amen. So that people teach you, like you repent, you repent, but they don't repent from their self-righteousness. In fact, the very act of the so-called repentance is the attempt to still make themselves righteous instead of abandoning themselves to Christ and Christ alone. How many are with me? You understand? Alright, it's important you understand this. Now, when, jo- when, when uh, Philip preached in the city of Samaria, what did he preach? Did he preach repentance? No, he preached Christ. And the whole city responded. You can say the whole city repented. Amen. In the Old Testament, Jonah preached. What? Repentance. In fact, he didn't even use the word repentant. He says, In three days, God would destroy the whole city. That was not the gospel, but the whole city repented. There was repentance in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, how do you bring people to a place of changing their minds? You preach Christ. Don't keep on harping to your colleague, Hey, you are a repentant. You better repent. You better repent. You, you know, it sounds so religious now. Amen. The Bible talks about repentance towards God. You know, Paul's ministry, Acts 20 verse 21, Paul's ministry is this, Paul is talking here, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, repentance towards God. Towards is ice in in Greek. It's towards God. In other words, change your mind towards God. Change your mind concerning God. You used to think that God is out to get you. Now you know God loves you in your lost, guilty condition. Change your mind. You used to think that God is stingy. No, God is generous. This is what caused uh, lust to be produced in Eve's heart, in the Garden of Eden. God is so generous, God actually told man, God says, every tree you may freely eat. You know, they were the only ones on earth and herb is not as uh, as patch and dry, as bad as the conditions are in the world today, we see. All right? Herb was fruitful then, and they were the only ones. And God says, every tree, you may freely eat, except for one tree. Set that aside as like a tithe, that you show that you honor me. That's all. But look at God's generosity. And the devil came and said what? Did God say you cannot eat from every tree? The word freely is also dropped. You see, the moment her mind was changed, she repented in the wrong way. Her mind was changed to believe that God is stingy, God is holding back. When she said, God is generous. So, once and for all, God silenced Satan's mouth, the accuser's mouth, once and for all about God's God's generosity when God gave up His Son for lost humanity. God loved His Son and God gave up His Son for you and I. For what? To save all of us. At a great cost. Amen. Once and for all, God demonstrated He's a good God. He's generous. He's out to bless you, not out to get you. So repentance must start towards God. You must change your mind towards God. A lot of people have hard thoughts about God. They think that God is really, really out to, you know, pounce them. They see God as an old man. I I had to repent many a times, even after I became a Christian, I saw God as an old man. I remember years ago in the bus, all right, years as as a a student, years ago as a student, I was born again, saved, and I was praying in the bus, and I saw God as an old man. I was not conscious of what I saw. But I heard God speaking to me on the inside. God said to me, son. I said, wow, he's talking to me. Why do you see me like this? I said, like what? He said, like an old man. <laughs> I saw him with, you know, long white hair, white beard. And I said, because you are father <laughs> and you are God. All this went on inside me. And he says, son, growing old is part of the curse on earth. In heaven, there is no curse. Amen. And like this, I saw God forever young. Amen. The Father is forever young. Amen. Amen. Jesus is forever young. The Holy Spirit is forever young. I don't get me singing now. <laughs> and one day, in heaven, we are forever young. Amen. Amen. No one grows old in heaven. Your grandfather that passed on, your mother that passed on, your father that passed on in the Lord. They are younger than you now, for some of you now, amen. You won't be able to recognize them for a while when you're in heaven, amen. So I had to change my mind. I had to repent. Now I didn't say, oh, I repent, Lord, for seeing you as an old man. I I didn't do that. I I could have done that. I can be more religious, impress people, but I changed my mind. From then on, when I pray, I see a dynamic God, a God of divine energy and power, A God who never gets tired nor is weary. A God who never says to me, oh, you again. I cannot project into God, all right, what we see in our earthly parents. Wonderful as they are, they still fail. There are moments of impatience. But with God, praise God, it's never crowded at the throne of grace. Have you noticed that? Huh? So repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, both Jews and Greeks heard Paul preach that. Now, sometimes Peter used the word repent, granted, okay? But notice, he was, he was preaching Christ uh, in Acts 20, uh, Acts 2, excuse me. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Don't forget, he's preaching predominantly to Jewish people who uh, just uh, not too long ago shouted for Jesus' crucifixion. Now they realize, this man whom they delivered to the cross, all right, whom they delivered to the hands of Gentiles, the Romans, is actually the Messiah. And God raised him from the dead, so they are hearing all this. How did it come about? How was this change of mind effected? It was effected by preaching Christ. It's not effected by saying, repent, repent, repent. What is that to change my mind to? You're not giving people material to repent, amen. And the material is Christ. Praise God. So they say, say, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Don't forget. They themselves shouted what? Crucify Him. They delivered their brother into the hands of Gentiles like the brothers of Joseph did. Now they saw the error of their ways. They saw their crime. They saw their sin. And they were cut to the heart. Why? Because of the preaching of Jesus Christ. These are Jewish people. They were cut to the heart. Alright? Then what shall we do? Peter said, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, he said, change your mind after they were cut to the heart. Can you see that now? Okay? Now sometimes Peter used repent. Sometimes Peter doesn't use repent. Like in Cornelius' house. Remember Cornelius' house? He was a Roman centurion, all right, of the Italian band. And he was a man that was reaching out to God, you know, with charities and uh, doing good. His heart was reaching out to God, but he didn't have the gospel. No matter how much good you do, you're still not saved. So God sent Peter to his house. And Peter preached. Notice in Peter's sermon in Acts 10, there was no word repentance used. At the end of it, Peter said this, To him... To Christ, all the prophets witness that through His name, whoever believes in Him, whoever what? Repents and believes. No. Repentance is never a preliminary. Sometimes it's placed first, but don't forget. Repent and change your mind. In other words, give up your pretensions to righteousness and believe the good news. Right? Here, there's no word for repent. He didn't use the word repent. He used the word believe in Him Whoever believes in Him will receive what? Forgiveness of sins. If you're watching me today, you are one of the whosoever. You believe in Jesus, you receive forgiveness of sins. Believe He died for your sins. Believe all your sins were transferred to Him. And His righteousness is transferred to you. Believe that, accept that, rest in that, and you are saved. Amen. Now, if you still don't want to give up your self-righteousness, you don't believe this is the way, then God tells you, Repent, change your mind. Now, how many understand so far what I'm trying to say? Are you with me? All right, Peter didn't use the word repent here, right? He didn't use it, right? And yet, what happened? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Why? Those of the circumcision, the Jewish people who were there, who believed, were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnifying God. Well, this is amazing. All right? Did they repent or not? Peter didn't tell them to repent. Peter says, whoever believes in Jesus shall receive forgiveness of sins. While he was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit felt they spoke in tongues. What do you reckon? Did they repent? Of course. But they were not conscious. They were changing their minds. And that's what happens many times in my ministry. In many other ministries that preach the gospel. We might not use the word repentance the way you want us to use it, like be conscious of sins. Oh. Some people think repentance might be like that. There might be a lot of crying, a lot of, you know, like, and then they say, Pastor Prince, what about godly sorrow? Well, I'll come to that, okay? Now, look at this. He preached to the Gentiles. This is Acts chapter what? 10. So Peter preached to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, for the first time in the history of the world non-Jews received the Holy Spirit. First time. Alright? Look at the next chapter. Now, the church in Jerusalem, which is all, 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 all Jewish people, they heard what, what Peter did. Acts 11. 11 is after 10. Okay? Verse 1. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles, Cornelius' house, had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those are the circumcision... The Jewish people contended with him. You see, they they didn't have a full understanding that the gospel is not just for them. Even though Jesus so many times emphasized, they still don't have the understanding. They still have this exclusive exclusivity about them. You know, Jesus is a Jew, therefore the gospel is only for Jews. We are God's special people. So when when Peter went to preach in Cornelius and he heard that, you know, he preached the gospel, you know, Jesus said to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind shall be bound, whatever you lose shall be loose. The way you operate the keys by preaching. Here, here you find that God used Peter, even though he's an apostle to the Jews, the Bible tells us, to open a door to the Gentiles. Preaching is using the key.
0: Are negative thoughts causing you to feel trapped in a cycle of defeat, guilt, fear, and maybe even addiction? Overcome that trap of negativity with Joseph Prince's book, 100 Days of Right Believing. For a gift of any amount, kickstart your journey to a life of joy, peace, and freedom. When you request a resource from Joseph Prince Ministries, your gift goes directly to reaching even more people who need to hear the message of grace. Request your copy and start living a life that's filled with victory. Visit us at josephprince.org or call us toll free at 877-901-4300.
1: For faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. Amen. Focus on God's Word and find freedom. There is a now work for you. Stay tuned. I believe that there is a corporate anointing whenever we come together to worship the Lord as the body of Christ, even online. So if you're looking to be part of a community of grace believers, join us for service every Sunday. God bless you and I'll see you online for church this weekend.
0: Join our digital service every Sunday at gracerevonline.com
1: Next on Joseph Prince. The most humble thing, the most God-given response that you can come come up with is this, "Thank you, Father, for the gift of your son. Thank you, Jesus." For taking all the punishment and the beating. Amen. Because Christ died for us. It shows we are worth something to God. A lot to God. Not a question of worthiness. The question of worth.
0: Help us proclaim the life-changing gospel of grace far and wide. Join us as a Grace Legacy Builder. You can make a real difference in the lives of many today. Visit josephprince.org or call 877-901-4300 to find out more. Joseph Prince Ministries is a Section 501c3 nonprofit organization and your gift is tax deductible for the amount that exceeds any fair market value of the materials you receive from us. The preceding paid program is brought to you by our Grace Legacy Builders. Thank you for helping us proclaim the gospel of grace around the world.